Good evening and welcome again to session. Beautiful to see so many people on Zoom. A few days ago there was one or two people signed up on Zoom, so it's wonderful now we have 14. So this is a hybrid retreat. We have a sangha scattered across the continent and also a sangha holding it down here at Great Vow. How beautiful to be able to practice sashin together. This is the sashin on the Buddha's passing into peri-nirvana, commemorating the Buddha's death. For those on Zoom, uh, you'll see it when we give formal Dharma talks during the week, we have the uh, statue of the Buddha in the Parinirvana pose where he's lying on one side. A really beautiful image to take in. I always find it interesting that in December, when we celebrate the Buddha's enlightenment, hordes of people sign up to attend. The roster is over full. People come from all over to participate. And in contrast, two months later, when we take up the Buddha's death as our koan, as our practice, and the number of retreatants tends to be much smaller, more intimate. And often, like this week, for various reasons, there are cancellations. Are we a product of our culture preferring the ultimate achievement, the promise of transcendence, enlightenment, and wishing perhaps to avoid the obvious, the physical limitations of a conditioned body-mind, to admit our weakness, that even enlightenment, even the deepest embodiment of wisdom and compassion lived out in the Buddha, cannot save us from physical death. The Buddha's enlightenment follows the story of a young man on a quest, a hero's journey. The Buddha's death follows an aging teacher with a sick and tired body, surrendering his last breath to the earth. The story of the Buddha's parinirvana reveals the moments leading up to the Buddha's death, how he continues to teach up until the last moment to embody equanimity and compassion as he releases his earthly body. The teaching of the Buddha's death is humble. It is one of surrender and faith. Faith, continuous faith in the practice, and faith in Sangha, in his community of disciples. There is something bare and utterly honest in the last days of the Buddha's life, which we'll be sharing with you during the Dharma talks. Many of us live in a culture where youth is valued, and the elderly, the sick, and dying are often hidden from the eyes of the mainstream, placed in care homes, the labor outsourced to professionals. The messy, humbling process of death 
so often out of sight, out of mind for many of us who are not on the front lines. And yet, death is unavoidable. We lose pets and friends, loved ones and children. We lose our own sense of purpose from time to time. We shed habits and ways of being. We lose interest, let go of careers. We die daily to who we thought we should be. And death visits us. It appears in dreams, in diagnosis, a close call, an accident, a fall, and within our deepest fears and phobias. Is it true that any fear can be traced down, traced back to the fear of death, of failure? which is a kind of death. How is death encountered in your own dreams, in your own life? What is the relationship you have to death, dying, and this process of renewal? Throughout human history and myth, there have been gods or healers who have undergone the process of death and dismemberment, and then resurrection, symbolizing the healing and rejuvenating power of nature, mirrored in the yearly cycles of the calendar as winter brings forth spring. Death is a kind of emptying out, relieving ourselves of the expectations that we place on reality relieving ourselves of the expectations that we place on reality and returning like all things do back to the one emptiness pure potential energy the residents at the monastery for the months of february and march are practicing creative process period what dies in order for us to create? What is the relationship between destruction and creativity? How can we come to know the spontaneous source of creativity that is indwelling in each of us? Emptiness giving rise to form, the play of life happening through us. Can we accept and love all that arises through us as process? This is a question we face every moment. This is the heart of session. The last two years we have been <clears throat> initiated into a global pandemic, facing as a global community the reality of death. Even if you not, have not endured personal losses, as a species, collective, loss is palpable. Mass graves and memorials have become part of the collective imagery of these past few years. 
weekly, daily death tolls and hospitalizations part of the daily news. The virus, a potent mirror for us to ask, what is death? Who dies? Who are we as a species? Where did we come from? What am I? Death always holds this mirror, the mirror to know thyself. Another collective phenomena that we who live at this time are immersed in is the climate crisis, which includes the loss of countless species and habitats, a planet in transition, which also invites the kind of existential questioning that cuts deep to the heart of things. From the what to do to the deep ethical and moral questions to the sense of individual and collective responsibility. Sashim provides the open embrace of holding our hearts that may just need to grieve in the face of such loss the collective and personal losses. Sashin also holds the open space to inquire into death and the source of life, the heart's honest response to loss. Love may appear as grief, the deep feeling of being interconnected to the life of the cosmos, the life of the planet, to human life and this one precious life. And so Sheen also provides the space to encounter and nurture our deep spiritual questions, a place to question all of our assumptions, where we can really ask, what is it that is alive? What is life? Who? Am I? It takes faith and a healthy degree of self compassion and safety to ask such deep, unsettling, yet deep, honest questions. Peri Nirvana Sashin is an invitation to live close to these questions. These are perennial human questions. At one time, humans lived more in a participatory state of union with the cosmos, reaching beyond this apparent separation between living and dying, communicating with ancestors past, the stars, the living earth, the sense of mystery intertwined within their cultures, the sense of being relations, in relationship, learners, a humility we may have forgotten. But perhaps our indigeneity is still remembered deep within our DNA, our interconnection with earth and star, with the mystery of the cosmos and the network of the human being extending back 2,000, 200,000 years or more. Who we call ancestor, friend, relation, alive in our looking, 
the felt sense of kin emerging through attention, through the eyes of Zazen, separation between species, between each other, between me and earth, star and mind, disappear. We are one living system. What dies? Thich Nhat Hanh's death opened up for me a deep appreciation for his teachings on interbeing. When I first learned of his death, I felt a sense of despair. All the luminaries are leaving us. I thought his death, falling so close to Desmond Tutu's death and the loss of bell hooks and the great African shaman Meladoma Somme. Then I remembered one of Thich Nhat Hanh's core teachings. He said, the next Buddha is the Sangha. And as I remembered his life, I felt this deep sense of humility. I read again his writings on ecology and his love letter to the earth and felt the humility it takes to live from emptiness, from interbeing. Something that we forget sometimes in our quest for awakening is that Buddhist enlightenment is a humbling process. We come to recognize that who we think we are, this egoic process, is limited. And that the quest for knowing, attainment, only leads so far. Part of awakening is to let old habits die, to let our thinking and sense of self be dismembered by the humble process of letting go and letting be. To be open to the mystery, the wisdom of not knowing, the process of life happening through us, constantly stripping us bare, constantly creating us anew. I love this sashin because it takes death out of the closet, out of the shadows. It demystifies the taboo by taking life and death up as the essential koan. Perhaps this is always the essential koan. In Zen, we have the phrase, you must die before you die. This sashin isn't asking anything different from you than any other period of zazen. Wholehearted presence, a willingness to be with yourself with kindness and compassion, the encouragement or practice to begin is to inhabit your body, to rest. Like I said, this session is bringing us back into the humility of being human, the immensity of what we are, and also the fragility to rest, to let go, to use whatever practice you use to stabilize attention in present moment experience. Keep it simple. In Zen, any experience is part of the path. Dogen Zenji says in his famous fascicle, Time Being, for the time being, walk along the bottom of the deepest ocean. 
for the time being stand on top of the highest peak. There will be peaks and valleys. This is human life. Zazen is the honest, open question into what is alive? Feel the life force breathing you. It ebbs and flows. It pauses and seems to get stuck. It wrestles with apparent tensions. It chokes us up at times and flows smoothly at others. I want to invite you to practice throughout the 24 hours of the day. Sleep is probably the closest experience that we have to dying. Every night we surrender our sense of self, our responsibilities, our roles, our identities. We abandon our relationships and fall into the realm of sleep and dream. Tibetan dream yogis who practice lucid dreaming as a preparation for the bardo, the place between lives as believed in the Tibetan Buddhist cosmology, they emphasize paying attention to the way the body and mind slip into sleep. The dissolution of the senses and the external world into the world of consciousness. So even if you are practicing a work-a-day sashin from home, there's ample opportunity throughout the day to bear witness to this life, to bear witness to the many small deaths that occur moment to moment, and to study this process of sleep and waking. How will you free yourself from birth and death when your eyes are darkening for the last time? This is a famous koan from the Mumankan. How will you free yourself from birth and death when your eyes are darkening for the last time? My friends, let's support each other in this deep practice of coming to know ourselves beyond the birth and death of this physical body. Who are you really? Where do you abide? Let compassion guide your heart. We are in this together, actualizing the wisdom of Thich Nhat Hanh. The future Buddha is us, this precious Sangha jewel.